think at some point we should have a competition or like a, you know, like a guess what we were talking about style thing at the beginning of episode six and win a free shirt or something. I like the idea of that. <laughs> I think that'd be so much fun. Ah, uh, also like make that a thing. You could just yeah, just do that. Yeah, we just like just have something just that we're talking about. Describe something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, yeah, that's actually yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Well, welcome back to another episode, of The Missing Wires. My name is Alex. My name is Jose, and this is episode ten. This is episode 10. Welcome. No need to listen in any order. No, really. You, you don't have to go 1 to 10. You can go 5 to 10. You can go 10 to 1. I'm, I'm going from 10 to 1 right now. Today's episode actually doesn't have a really specific starting point. We've got a few different ideas that we're wanting to discuss. And uh, as per usual, we'll probably just end up landing into some discussion about life. And also, as per usual, we'll probably end up somewhere that we might not have expected to end up. I never expected that. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah. So, Alex, tell me. How are you? Man, let's see. Like today, right now. Yeah, right now, in today. In this moment. Um, just, what is, what is Alex today? What is Alex today? I'm doing, doing pretty good. Um, That's not an answer. No, no, it's an answer. Alex, Alex today is doing pretty good. Um, especially in comparison, I'd say, to last week when we met. Yeah. Um, I'm not quite fully recovered from the slump that I was feeling, but um, I do feel a sense of clarity coming back to me and yeah. I feel some of the apathy retreating, which is nice. That's good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, um, it's been a pretty good morning, man. I woke up and had coffee, had my uh, weekly family video call. How was that? Uh, I was, I was sick. It was good. It's, yeah, it's always pretty good, man. Like what part of your family is that with? Um, it's my, my mom, my stepdad, and then my stepbrother, who is my stepdad's yeah. son, uh, and him, his wife and, and then my grandma from my dad's side. Okay. And damn. And then my blood brother. Like. You guys cut each other's like, thumbs. Yeah, no, like, well, like I say, blood brother. You know, I don't from... know if there's a if there's a more common or accepted term, but like, yeah, because I have stepbrothers, I yeah, feel yeah. like it's necessary for me to say because a lot of times when I would say my brother, yeah, people would ask me who I was talking which about. brother, yeah, which brother, and then so I started yeah. having to be like, okay, stepbrother and blood brother, gotcha, and I, blood brother just sounded like. It makes sense. We're yeah. related by blood, you know. I just, you know. But then some people might get confused and think that you just shared each other's blood. Yeah, that we've like done some kind of ritual together. Yeah. I mean, we kind of have done like some rituals together, so no, it wouldn't that. be like it wouldn't be entirely inaccurate. No, Rachel says the same things about her 
siblings. She's got her blood siblings and her step siblings. And yeah. Her, you know, water siblings, blood siblings, that sort of yeah. criteria. No, Fire that's really siblings. cool though. Um, I feel like be nice to be nice if more people did stuff like that with their family. I feel like maybe I should do that with my family sometimes because, you know, my sisters and I don't connect as often as I'd like us to. And that's, you know, obviously my fault and their fault because we just don't yeah. reach out as much. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, yeah, it's always, it's always kind of funny when somebody like, if somebody ever reaches out and they're like, why haven't you yes. can hit me up? Whoa. Sorry. We got crazy cats. We got crazy cats doing some absurd shit. Um, I'm just going to leave. Yeah. No, that's chilling. But yeah, if, you know, if somebody hits you up and they're like, "Hey, why haven't you, why haven't you hit me up in a really long time?" And it's like, bro, it's always a two way street. You know? Why haven't like, you hit me up? Yeah, it's just like, yeah. So that's why it's always, and that doesn't happen to me very often. But you know, it definitely happened to me more when I was younger. Yeah. And like, I would go through times where I just like wouldn't reach out or communicate, and I'm not the best at communicating in relationships anyway. Like, if I'm not present with you, yeah. If I'm present with you, I I'd, I'd like to think that I have like worked a lot on my communication when it comes to my emotion mm-hmm. and what I'm thinking. So if I'm present with you, my communication is, is peak. Mm-hmm. It's like at the high point, I'm like always trying to communicate as effectively as possible. But if I'm not present, actually like in person with you, like I'm very bad at regularly communicating, you know, yeah. like I, I just, it's like out of sight, out of mind. And yeah. it's not that my love for people disappears if they're not next to me. Um, it's not that at all. It's just, it's just out of sight, out of mind. That's totally. literally all it is. It's like, I could go two years without seeing somebody and then be like, f- literally like feel in my heart and mind yeah. that no time has passed. Yeah. Like, even though I know I can, I can acknowledge the real, the realism that, oh yeah, time has passed. And if we haven't talked for two or three years, like a lot of stuff has happened in your life and you've changed and grown in ways that like, I wouldn't possibly be able to know for sure right then. So it is understandable that some people feel like, yeah, well, if, if I haven't talked to you for a year, then you don't even really know me anymore. Like it's understandable for people to feel that way. Cause a lot can happen in a year. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, I get it. Um, that being said, like there's, yeah, there's, there, when I have love for somebody, it generally is, is for things that aren't very malleable within them. Mm-hmm. It's like for who they are. Yeah. And we've and we talked about this a bit in a previous yeah. episode, but um I think we're both on the same page there. It's yeah. like you know, people use the word vibe a lot yeah. or vibes and I don't know, whatever generation you're from, whatever you want to call it, whatever the vibe is, like yeah. when you Some people don't like that word. Yeah, some people don't. I like I, that I, word. I like it depending on the situation. Sometimes I don't like it. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I, it's the wrong vibe. I don't like it when it's <laughs> when it's the weird Cali type of vibe. Yeah, bro, vibes. Yeah, bro. <laughs> like the memed on Cali voice type yeah, of vibe, like totally. the the uh the realistic manifestation of what that meme is yeah. from, you know, like I don't really fuck with it that much. It's not my yeah. vibe, but I don't like it when it's, it's like, okay. yeah. um, saying like when it's used in a way where it's, you're describing something that you enjoy or like is good in the moment. Like someone says something and you're like, Oh, vibes. Like, no, like that's <laughs> not, you're not giving me enough 
vocabulary in that <laughs> sentence for me to derive any sort of realistic meaning that I can appreciate. You know, it's like tell us, tell me a story with your words. You know, like you just got done watching like a really like deep and emotional and impactful movie, and you're just like you just you finish the movie and you turn to your friend and you're like, man, like I this is just. Dude, this is bringing up so many like weird nostalgic feelings and I'm getting all these different emotional responses and just like there's so, you know, like there's so much that goes into it. Like the depth is crazy. You know, I really loved this character and like, and what, you know, and then you say all this thing and the person just, just like looks at you and just smiles and goes, vibes, <laughs> vibes, vibes, dude. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, yeah, I can, I would probably not vibe with that at that moment. <laughs> 100%, dude. No, but I get what you're saying. It's like when you meet somebody and and you feel who they are as a person like that part doesn't change as much like maybe they're young and in their teens and they're doing dumb stuff and yeah you know they're skipping out on work and they're smoking too much weed and they're whatever they're doing like maybe yeah. their specific actions aren't like the best at the time yeah but who they are as a person is someone that you still really enjoy being around that you like and you know that they're like there are definitely a lot of good parts about them as a person, yeah. despite what their actions might be. And then you run into them 10, 10 years later and they're just like an awesome person who's doing a bunch of great things and isn't doing the same dumb stuff anymore. Yeah. And that all these good parts of them like really came out and now their actions are like lining up with that. Yeah. You know, like, so I get that too. And it, it something that I try to do more often because I've recognized it's something that I've, I wouldn't say failed at, but something I want to do better at in the future. Um, ever since Nathan died, it's like when I think of somebody, a friend of mine that I care about, I try to reach out to them. Like when I think of them, because it's like, oh, I thought of this person. I'm going to just text them and say, hey, what's up? Hope you're doing well. Like just thought of you. Want to let you know. Like it's as simple as, and easy as that. Like sometimes they don't text back. That's cool. They know that I'm reaching out. Like you can poke them now and then and just let them know you're there. Um, sometimes they respond. You have a nice conversation and, um, and you kind of, you know, keep a little bit of kindling in there. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, everybody in my friend group is like, you know, doesn't really matter if you hit them up or not for two years. And like, we're still on the same wavelength. But it is nice, you know, when people reach out and just like yeah. check in. And and it also makes me excited too when I don't see somebody for a long time because it's like, yeah, you don't know the me of today because we haven't connected in two years, but I'm super excited to show you. Yeah. And I yeah. want to know what's been going on with you and I'm excited to like get to know who you are today because the you of two years ago was somebody that I really enjoyed. And so it's like getting to watch new yeah. episodes of a series, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. You just, you're like, damn, I really love this show. Yeah. I can't wait for more episodes. And then you like forget about the show for yeah. like two years. And there's been like two seasons that came out because the show didn't get canceled. And you get to just get caught up on those and just have a great time yeah. and experience this story. Dude, it's like, you know, episode episode one and two and three, Gone in Killua. A lot, lot different than episode one forty. Yeah, gone for sure. Killua, you know, like it's just yeah. 
but but it's still you know it still maintains like it still is what it is they still are yeah them absolutely but they've you know it's just different but like that it's almost like they've been you know an extract has been made and they're like a more potent version of themselves and you're getting so much more of what you wanted to begin with and you just couldn't wait to see them bloom into like these potent characters that have strong convictions and are determined to do these things and we're talking about hunter x hunter or hunter hunter if you don't want to put the x in there i don't think you have to i stopped doing it a long time ago yeah um some might say that yeah it's not it's not necessary yeah to include the x yeah but, it's know, just there to it. separate the words yeah that's what i think i don't know yeah. um but hunter hunter is my favorite anime series of all time it's fucking highly so recommend good. it uh it's not a kid's show just fyi if you have kids and you don't watch it with them it is it gets very very dark at times but is also a beautiful beautiful story and apparently they're making more and they've already got four episodes done oh shit yeah really think about that i had no idea yeah i mean the the maker is notorious for like, you know, taking crazy long hiatuses, right. stopping partway through seasons, nobody knowing if the show is going to continue. Like it happened throughout the creation of the entire show. So it's like, we don't know when, if, what, anything like that. But apparently it has been getting worked on and we might be seeing a new arc that could be anywhere from. 12 episodes to 56 based off of the length of previous seasons. That's really hype. Yeah. I'm hoping for 56 personally, although I don't think that's realistic. Yeah. Man. That's hype. Yeah. It is. It's beautiful. Yeah, man. It's beautiful when you get to watch people change. Yeah. Check back in and see what's new. And sometimes... You know, you check back in and maybe somebody hasn't, maybe they've been slipping for a while, you know, and it's hard for them to like fully open up about it too. Cause they're like, Oh, like, seems like you've been doing really well. You've been growing a lot. You've been doing things. And, and then they feel like maybe they have to like come with something of their own, you know? And yeah, like, oh shit, you're bringing all this to the table and then like, yeah. they might start to feel like, what am I bringing? Or you might start to feel like, what am I bringing to the table? Yeah. This person's got so much to show for this time that's that's separated us. Yeah. I remember feeling like that and just being like, damn, I haven't done shit I've been working at. Dude. Round table for four, five, six, seven years now yeah. and I don't have any money saved yeah. and I... Uh. Okay, well, <laughs> dude, I'm super stoked you've been doing so much shit and that you're doing yeah. great. And like, and that's the thing is, I think it's nice to reconnect with people because it can kind of like, I think people need to have maybe a little bit more of a community mindset. I want to have more of a community mindset yeah, myself same. where it's like, I don't want my friends to feel like they're struggling yeah. or left behind. I yeah. want them to reach out like, and and just talk and like maybe gain some motivation and gain some some light, you know? Cuz 
especially if you, I don't know, don't live in the same town anymore. I've had that with a lot of friends where it's like they move away yeah. and and they don't have that same supportive friend group that's like really close to them. Yeah. And so there can be like that disconnect there where it feels like you're a little bit more alone. And, you know, it's hard too because it's like it's harder to connect with them and it's harder for them to want to connect. Yeah. Here I mean, dude, when I moved to Seattle, I was yeah. depressed as hell. Yeah. Like, and I like, I'm, I moved in with somebody that I knew. Mm-hmm. Like, I was friends with them and it was cool to live with them. It was a good time. Um, but yeah, I, uh, you know, didn't have anyone down there that I was like super duper tight with. And I didn't really meet anybody at my job or at the school that I really vibed with. So I just was kind of like feeling like, fuck. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Also there was like, Seattle has some weird social energy mm-hmm. that I've heard. I've heard it coined, named like the Seattle Freeze or whatever, and like mm. basically just that like people within Seattle express that it's very hard to actually connect with anybody at all. Yeah, um, and like a lot of people who are in Seattle, like have come there from somewhere else for a specific reason. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, this is like this weird thing where people were basically like, yeah, like it just seems like nobody talks to each other and it's really hard to start talking with somebody yeah. and or develop any type of relationship with somebody because for whatever reason, I don't know if it's like the big city energy or if it's Seattle specifically in a combination of seasonal depression and the cloudiness and whatnot with, yeah city i'm not you know I don't, I don't know exactly what it is and, and maybe it's common throughout all big cities um but no way jose no way jose <laughs> um no that's a good point though and i feel like i see a lot of the same things with like people that i know of that have moved to seattle and for anyone listening who does know me feel free to reach out anytime i always want to hear from you no matter Likewise. how good or how bad things have been for you I care about you and uh, I'd love to see you grow but I'm also down to just listen and hang out yeah so yeah I something that I love I I just feel like you can see it when you look around when you've you know after you've kind of been exposed to a number of people like just you meet a lot of different people and everybody's just like blooming at different times and finding themselves at different times. Um, and I think we, we kind of talked about this in a previous episode when we were touching on like our parents divorce type shit. Um, and like for me, it was really, really impactful to note that my mom like kind of transformed after her and my dad split and like my mom like really started to like just seek a lot of things of her and she's always like sought a lot of things on her own like that's not like that was like a major thing i guess it just started to become more like more noticeable like she was just like really really like becoming her own a lot more and 
made a lot of like really big decisions after her and my dad split. And that was like huge for me to witness because I felt like I had other examples in my life of people who were like at the same age as my mom who were not open to or willing to change of any kind. And, you know, like certainly didn't have enthusiasm about the idea of change and or getting into something new or becoming something new or seeking more education or, you know, it's like going to Texas to get your PhD and then building a tiny home, you know, like it's like all this shit that my mom has done and like the changes that my mom has made in the course of time where I've been like conscious to see it, you know, and like to really more so to understand it, which I don't think like, I'd say maybe around the time like of when they got divorced is when I was able to start seeing like a little bit more in people and understanding a little bit more in people. And so, yeah, just to like, just to see that when I had really blatant examples of people who were really resistant to change and just Mm -hmm. unwilling and unenthusiastic and it was, and change was always met with pessimism in certain people that I had examples of like, um, so it was really fucking cool to see my mom like, just be like, all right, like, you know, I'm doing something else now. Like I'm, I'm, you know, becoming my own more, whatever it is. Right. Shout out Cindy. Shout out Cindy. Um, yeah, it's really awesome. Yeah. It's really awesome. It's really nice to see like that in general. And, and I don't think it's, um, exclusive to any generation either. No, I see it with everyone all over the place. And, I really yeah. do think it stems a lot from childhood. Yeah. I mean, I think most things stem from childhood. Totally. Obviously. Totally. Right. And uh, something I was going to bring up too, when you said like, you know, maybe it's a big city thing. I think every big city kind of has its, I don't know, its theme, its yeah. trait. Yeah. And there's all sorts of like stereotypes and stuff. You probably find like, funny little articles or memes or whatever online about what each city is and, and how you interact with somebody there. I remember seeing it's like in each part of the U S or each part of a big city, if you are going down the road and you get a flat tire and you pull over like how each city is going to interact with you based off of like you trying to like change your tire and it's like New York, they're going to pull over they're going to call you a dumbass. You'd be like, you idiot, you're on the side of the highway here. It's dangerous. What are you doing? But they're going to be helping you the entire time. They're going to be changing it for you. They're going to be like, you know, and in Seattle, like or Pacific Northwest, people are going to like stare and be like, oh, that sucks. And then keep driving. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And like, it's kind of true. It's so accurate. It's kind of true. And oh, I actually think about that so on a regular basis because it's like, if I see an opportunity, I want to, I want to try and take it and help if I can. Like, yeah. obviously there are going to be times when it's like, I actually like, I'm going to work or I'm, yeah, I'm like, yeah, doing something. like I, I can't, I have to be on time. But at the same time, if you're on your way to work and you're going to be late, one, one of the best reasons I think anybody could be late to work is because they were helping another human being, not only another human being, but somebody they didn't even know. Yeah. Like it's, who it was blatantly in need. Like maybe it's easier for some people to help people they don't know um, because they don't know how to handle their own personal relationships with people they care about. Yeah. But 
I think it means more to help someone that you don't know because, you know, they could be anyone. It's like, I remember not too long ago, there was a, a guy stopped. He was like right by my house, like the corner of Lakeway and Birch that goes to my house. Yeah. And it's like terrible place to be stopped. Kind of just sucks. And it was just right in front of the light, like two spaces back and everybody was having to like drive around him and stuff. I just parked up right behind him and put on my emergency lights and like, and then there was another dude who had like taken the corner and walked down and came up and started talking to him. And it was super funny because the other guy that was helping was also Mexican. I'm half Mexican and he, he was half or maybe he was full. I don't know but he could speak Spanish and English. The guy driving could only speak Spanish and then I could only speak English. So this dude's like (laughs) translating between all of us. (laughs) And then, uh, yeah, we ended up just, um, we couldn't get his car started. And so we ended up just like pushing it around the corner um, so that he was like out of the way of like the main traffic and stuff. And then somebody else was like coming to, you know, help figure things out. Nice. But it's just like, out of the hundreds of cars that pass by, like nobody stopped. Yeah. And I don't know. I just don't want to be that guy. Yeah. If I have the opportunity, I want to stop and like help somebody if I can. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I wonder if there is an association between that type of behavior and the amount of suffering that we are exposed to. And this is actually really interesting. This we, this can tie into doom scrolling a little bit, but actually more specifically, I'm thinking about homelessness. Yeah. And it's interesting to think about large cities, specifically Portland and Seattle mm-hmm. that have an extremely large homeless populations and the amount of homelessness that people are exposed to. And so it's the amount of times that they're driving past somebody who is clearly suffering, clearly in need of help of some kind. And generally an individual feels somewhat powerless to help Mm -hmm. homeless people because you can't provide them with a home. You could give them some money that they can buy food or drugs or water or something with that they can like nourish themselves in some way. Yeah. Um, you know, you can give them a blanket, right? Like, like, but it's like the average person can't provide psychotherapy to the amount of homeless people that need psychotherapy. Yeah. Um, like it's cra- like when I mean, you got homeless people out here who have terrible psychological issues, some of which are caused because of the situation that they are in. Yeah, a lot of which. Yeah, which right? If you were if you struggle at all to get by in society. And don't get help and end up on the, the the bottom end of society where you're homeless. It's like, yeah, you're gonna it's gonna exacerbate any yeah. mental struggle that you were having before is just gonna get massively increased. Like, right, it's like crazy. Um but yeah, it's interesting to consider like you know, if if like maybe in a small town where there's not a lot of homelessness and maybe not small, so small that everybody knows each other's names, but you know, like 20,000, 30,000 smaller towns, right? Yeah. Like, um, and there wasn't as much homelessness. Like, is it, I wonder if there's any studies that are looking into, like, is it more common 
for people to help somebody in need, like just that they see on the side of the road, if there's less like suffering present constantly, yeah. right? Like I wonder if there's correlations or relationships between those things. It's I'm really sure interesting. Cause I mean, I think about the time I lived in, uh, Gustavus, Alaska for a bit mm-hmm. population, like 400 in the winter. Yeah. I mean, my numbers are probably a bit off based off of today's day and age. Yeah. Yeah. Changed. Maybe not. Um, but then in the summer it bumps up to like 1200 or something because of, you know, yeah. whatever seasonal work, all that fishing, everything. Yeah. Nobody and wants to be in Alaska when it's cold. <laughs> <laughs> True. It is really beautiful though. I yeah. did visit in the winter one year Yeah, and everybody there waves to each other. You yeah. pass by somebody, you wave at them. You're dr- it doesn't matter if you're driving, walking, biking, whatever. Everybody waves. I love that. Nobody wears seatbelts. <laughs> What's the point? <laughs> you're living in a town with two paved roads. Like, you know, if you get in an accident here, you were way, way too drunk to be driving. <laughs> like, you know, if you need a sheriff, yeah. they're like, coming out there for a reason and then they're there for a week and then they're heading back to an actual town, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but um. I'd like to think that, you know, anybody who is struggling and having a really hard time there is going to have a bit more support from their community. Yeah. Or they just want to be left the heck alone and they're not going to be seen in public most of the time. You yeah. know, it's kind of one of the two. Yeah. But it's... I don't know. It's it's really hard for a lot of people out there and I don't think a lot of the time that it's people's fault. Uh, I mean, obviously we make choices that lead us somewhere Yeah. and some people are like, oh, well, they deserve that. They did this or they were dumb about this and it's like that could have been any one of us. Dude, yeah. Anytime somebody makes those statements, I'm like, you really have no idea what happened to this person. Yeah. It's like you were born yeah. into the family that you were born into yeah. and you got lucky because of that. Yeah. And you could have been born in any other situation in the yeah. world. Like you could have been, yep. you know, in some, in the middle of some horrible, horrible stuff right now. Cause yeah. there's horrible stuff happening all over the world. And you could have just been born into that. And is that your fault? No. Like, Dude, like I, and when I was in high school, I met two dudes who were my age, I was 14, and they had been doing heroin for three years. Both of them. Yeah. Both of them, their entire families were on heroin, and both of them had an experience of one of their family members, like, pretty much like, I don't know if it was a forceful thing or if it was like, hey, come check this out. Like, yeah. you want to, you see us doing this all the time. So you want to see what it is and we'll show you. And like, so it's like, I'm 14 meeting these other 14 year olds who have been on heroin for three years. Like, yeah, it's like, they're already set up for like, like that's such a shitty starting position to be in. Yeah. To be 14 and be, have a heroin addiction. That's three years running already. Like you just have no fucking clue. And that like, that is probably on the more mild side of the atrocious things that, do happen yeah that are realities for a lot of people um you know it's like you've got people that witness their their parent commit suicide type things you've got you they've got really incredibly like horrible and traumatic things that can completely break people 
Yeah. So it's like, it's so, so insane to have somebody's first knee-jerk thought about a homeless person be that, wow, this person must be stupid and they must have fucked up somewhere. Yeah. They must have just done this, this, they must have just done something stupid. They must be like drug addicted and dumb or like, you know, like if that's the knee-jerk reaction, it's like, it's so far from being grounded in reality. It's yeah. like, it's, it's like the reality, the most real reality of that scenario of seeing a homeless person is just simply that you have no clue. Yeah. That's the most grounded reality, in my opinion. Like, yeah. it, like you can't make a statement about them and their life and what they've done and why they're in that position because you fucking have no mm -hmm. idea. You have no idea. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you can like go be like, oh, well, here's some statistics about how many homeless people are doing drugs or whatever, how many homeless people are addicted to drugs. It's like, you can talk about that. And it's like, man, like that, that subject alone blows my mind because yeah. it's like, yeah. The drugs have nothing to do with it, in it's my like, opinion. I mean, they could, right? Like, yeah. you, like, sure, maybe somebody has been, I mean, I'm sure there are people because there's so many different experiences, right? I'm sure plenty of people have been addicted to drugs and it got so bad that they ended up losing everything to yeah. the drug. I'm sure that's happened. Well, I guess my point is that the drugs, saying they have nothing to do with it, it it's the drugs aren't the initial yeah. problem. They're yeah. not the initial, like... Yeah, I feel they're not the problem. They're not the solution. They are uh, a side effect yeah. of the problem. And the only real failure is the overall system yeah. that's failed everyone. The and system like, and the origin. You know, of you could take stuff. two hours to way more than that, but to <laughs> get into the pharmaceutical industry and how it's caused most of the drug problems and the war on drugs and all of that jazz and like how many people, how many of those homeless people actually started out just normal people who got a back injury at work and were prescribed oxy yeah. to take care of that and then got addicted and yeah. then lost everything and then turned to harder drugs yeah. because they were homeless and that's what they could get, yeah. you know, like a lot of them. Yeah. No, actually my uncle yeah. was in that exact scenario. Yeah. Um, got on oxy because he had a back injury in his like, when he was like 20 or something, you know, like really in his early, either early twenties yeah. or late teens even, I'm not sure. But, um, got on oxy and was on heavy doses of oxy for a very long time. And then at one point the doctors just fully take it away. Right. Yep. And there was zero, you know, apparently zero, anything of, you know, helping the patient wean off of the oxy that they've, you've just supplied them the yeah. addiction for. There was zero, any of that. So immediately getting that taken away. And experiencing heavy withdrawals, I guess, is where, you know, he ended up on heroin and then something else. Yeah. And now he is, you know, it's like, it's heartbreaking to it think is. about because my dad is older than uh, my uncle. So yeah. my uncle is my dad's younger brother. So my dad's younger brother doesn't have teeth, doesn't have like anything. He cannot do like provide for himself in any way. My grandma like pays for everything for him. Yeah. Um, his entire house. She brings him groceries. She brings him everything. He doesn't go places to get things on his own, really, like really at all. Um, he actually died and was resuscitated like sometime in the past three years. I can't remember specifically, yeah. but like just like in a terrible position, right? And like if my grandma wasn't literally paying for the house, not apartment, house that he yeah. lives in, 
he would be homeless, hundred ten percent. Yeah, like, or my maybe my dad would be trying to help him, you mm-hmm. know, or something like that, right? So, yeah, it's just it's just wild, man. It's like you, you never know, and I I do like what you're saying about um, drugs not being the starting point um, necessarily. Um, they can, I think it can certainly be a catalyst, and there's so many fucking factors that go into somebody getting an addiction. There's psychological stuff, but then there's so many like home and the origin, like raising factors, and then mm-hmm. all of our systematic shit that yeah. everybody has to go through. Um, so it's it's just fucking wild. Yeah. Um, and and even even if you do want to be like, oh well, well that was their that was their starting point, and you know if they've if they're you know at this age and they've been homeless for this long, then maybe it's time to like get off drugs. And so that, so that they can like, you know, not spend their money on drugs and like maybe like get a pair of clothes and yeah. go get a job or something like that. You know, like, so like some, some chain of logic like that. And I do recognize that it's like, sure, maybe somebody could do that and people have gotten out of homelessness. Yeah. It's not impossible. It's extremely difficult, but mm. it's not possible. Um, but it certainly is basically impossible i'd say for a lot of people um especially i mean if you want to talk about the sobriety front and and being like oh well like they should just get off drugs it's like dude like here's somebody who doesn't have a roof over their head they don't have shelter they're probably not warm they're probably not cozy you know like they're probably like and especially around washington dude it's like not having a good time they're probably wet and fucking freezing right i mean people die homeless people die in the cold every year and like um, so it's like, am I going to buy a blanket that's probably going to get rained on and get cold and dirty and gross and probably not be, not actually provide me with anything. If it rains tonight, mm-hmm. it could be good for less than an hour. Like, am I going to buy, like, I've got, I've, I've found, you know, $2 and change like, am I going to buy a McChicken or like a can of beans or, or, you know, or something that's cheap and nourishing Yeah, that will provide me with relief of my hunger pangs for maybe two hours mm-hmm. and maybe not even that, because if you haven't eaten in a while and then you eat something like you want to eat more because your body's like, yeah, like after you get through that, like after an hour or two, your body's yeah. going to be like, Hey. Yeah, we still need more, more. We still need we're more. We're running low. Yeah, we're fucking low, bro. Yeah. Um, so it's like, yeah, maybe you'll get like two hours of relief from the dollar or two of food you can purchase or whatever. And it's like, or getting your hands on some drugs and drugs at the same time put a Band-Aid on all of those things. Yeah. You can be cold and hungry and tired and not have a safe place. But if you can get inebriated enough on a substance, none of those things matter yeah. and or affect you anymore. You can yeah. be high enough and or drunk enough that it doesn't matter yep. that you can, you can fall asleep in a bush in the cold and, and be like in the moment of being so fucked up or high or whatever be somewhat free of those symptoms of being hungry, tired and cold. Yeah. So it's like 
dude, what? Like, how are you going to be like, oh yeah, homeless people just stop doing drugs. It's like people who have shelter and food and warmth and a place, a place to sleep and a place to live and a place to call home. People who have all those things and all those needs met, they already struggle with sobriety, right? And not yeah. using drugs, yeah. right? Like they use stuff just to get through the day. Just to get through the day. And their days aren't even that bad in comparison. Yeah, right? Like it's like the same person who will like fight tooth and nail to justify having a beer after their shift and being like, no, it's completely reasonable to have a beer after your shift. You know, it's like yeah. the same people that are going to say like, almost people shouldn't be on drugs, like kind of thing like that. Yeah. It's like, dude, what are you talking about, man? Like, right. Imagine a scenario that's just so much worse than what you're con- than what you live because zero of your needs are met. It's kind of a wild thing to consider because so many of us grow up with having pretty much the hierarchy of needs taken care of, right? Yeah. Like the whole the shelter, the food, the safety and like having some type of like caring figure, whether that caring figure is perfect or not is, you know, obviously up for discussion for plenty of people out there. Yeah. Um everybody I'd argue. Um but it's like, yeah, you take a scenario where you don't have your hierarchy of needs taken care of, and it's like, you're going to suggest that they should stop using this thing, like a drug that can, that can simultaneously hit fucking five places yeah. of, the, of the hierarchy of needs and not actually take care of them, mind you. I'm not saying that drugs take yeah. care of things, no. um, but just simply make you feel unaffected by the fact yeah. that you don't have them. Yeah. You, can, you can find some solace. You can stop worrying for you, a bit. Yeah. You can stop suffering for a bit yeah and that being said i've never met a single person who wanted to be addicted to drugs yeah oh yeah dude. who's like just raging yeah. alcoholic or you know doing a crazy amount of drugs all the time ruining their life i've never met a single one who was like heck yeah i love being addicted to drugs yeah like yeah. it's awesome yeah. i love just the recreational non-stop constant yeah. use of drugs that I love that I can't go a minute yeah. without thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. No, no, never, never heard not it. Not once. Yeah. And like, I know that I know a lot of people who have enjoyed drugs immensely. Yeah. yeah I, I was, I can speak on this honestly, because yeah. I, I smoked cigarettes for two years back a day full on before I turned 18. Yeah. I act, I was straight up. I fucking smoked from 15 to 17. And I, the only reason I was able to do that is because I was doing running start. And so I would just go to the smoke shop that was right next to the community college and never got ID'd because I was just like a member of the community college pretty much. And this guy just only dealt with people who came in with backpacks were from the community college. Yep. And so like, I just rarely got ID'd. I'm pretty sure he probably knew that I wasn't 18, but he was like a mega chiller, right? It's 21 now. Oh yeah. It's 21 now. Yeah. Yeah. They changed it. Yeah. They changed it. Yeah. Wow. For all you out there who don't know back then it was 18. Um, yeah, man. So, and so I was just buying, you know, cigarettes all the time. And, and at some point when I was like wanting to quit, and I was like, and it was really, really the most probably like pressing, pressing thing for me when it came to like wanting to quit and actually starting to want to quit because I didn't for a long time. I like had a romance with cigarettes. I like, you know, like every time I fucking, and they went hand in hand with weed for me. Yeah. And it's kind of funny that I was able to really. <coughs> and coffee? Um, mm-hmm. I've, mm-hmm. I've never really had a dependency issue with coffee. Yeah. 
Although I do like partake in it. I have times where I'm like, I'll go through a phase of like, you know, three months where I'm like, I'll have my coffee in the morning and then I'll probably have caffeine later in the day too. Yeah. And then I'll go through periods of months where I don't have any. Yeah. And then I'll go through periods where I only have the morning coffee and I don't dip in later in the day at all. Yeah. You don't double dip. Yeah. Don't double dip. You know? So, so I, I go through phases like with coffee and I've, and I never have, I ever felt like if I don't have coffee, I'm feeling bad. It's never been that it's, it's generally been like, like coffee in the morning for me is like, Oh, like I woke up and I want like a warm, cozy beverage and like we make it, you know, we put like chocolate and whipped cream in it. And so it's just like this comforting, delicious, warm morning beverage. Yeah. And that's just, that's just what it is for me, honestly. Like, yeah. um, and I do like like the little bit of caffeine that we have in coffee. Um, and you know, like there's a reason that I don't drink energy drinks because energy drinks like Ooh. make me feel all sorts of fucky. Yeah. Like they, they just, I mean, I had one recently. I tried a Celsius because hello people have been drinking Celsius recently. And I, I fucking wasn't even, wasn't even able to finish the Celsius Yeah, and was like really just like, like close, close to jittery. Wasn't yeah. quite jittery, but like I was getting really close to that. And right. Which is like, I don't, I don't like that feeling at all. So I tend to try to stay away from that. Yeah. And and not only was I feeling kind of jittery, I drank this thing at like 4.30 probably, maybe 5-ish. And when I was climbing into bed at 2 a.m., I was fucking, my eyes are just wide open. Like yep. I was just like still feeling the effect from it. Well, caffeine has like a, like what, a 10-hour half-life? But I don't feel like so, that from coffee though. Yeah. Like I can drink, um, even dude, yesterday's a great example. I fucking... Um, got a triple, just three shots of espresso from Starbucks with, yeah. with some cold foam on it, um, which is fire. It's been my go-to recently. If you ever go to Bucks, I don't go to Bucks all if the time. If you ever go to Bucks. But if you go into Bucks and you don't want some crazy, stupid, sweet, gross beverage, it's like, just get the shots with some cold foam. Yeah. Shots with the cold foam is nice. Okay, the pink drink? The pink drink's sick. Actually, really, really refreshing on a nice, hot summer day. I'm not saying all of their drinks are stupid or too sweet. Yeah. Just some of them are stupid and too yeah, sweet. Yeah, but shout out pink drink. But pink drink. I'll, I'll slap one of those back. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> but uh, back to kind of the point, I guess, that we started with. Um, yeah, no, like there definitely is a... There is 100% a moment, I think, when it's not... It's not the addiction that that is ever the the good thing. It's yeah. never. It's not. That's not what. Like it, the addiction itself is not what the glorified or romantic feeling is. It's always just a love of the drug. Yeah. It's just you know like and if so if you have you know like and I've met people who are addicted to drugs that they don't love. Yeah. And and then I've more commonly met people who are addicted to drugs that they love. Yeah. Um, and. So it's just, I don't know. It's kind of funny that for, for a while it's like, you know, like the first year that I was smoking a pack a day pretty much like, and I would, I like, it didn't take long. It did not take long of smoking mm -hmm. for it to become like, oh shit. Like, like I regularly go out like on a walk for a smoke, you know? And so like that became just super regularly, like just me like going out for a smoke and like going for a walk and going for a smoke. Um, 
And like I would always like have it with weed too. Like I would always, like I would smoke weed and then have a cigarette. And so it was just like this kind of like romance that I like formed. And like I had this whole like ritual, you know. It was like this this thing for me. And I was like I loved cigarettes. And I even like started to like how they smelled and all this jazz, which is so funny. It's it's and that actually that alone has probably stayed with me a little bit yeah when i smell cigarettes now like and i'm with somebody it's like really common that you know people be like oh oh it smells like fucking gross oh. it smells like cigarettes you know like yeah and i'm like oh yeah <laughs> just like, <laughs> I'm, just, like, like I'm, I'm not bothered you I know like, like i'm like yeah, yeah those <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah rachel i'm it's the same thing like i don't yeah. really like it but rachel kind of likes it yeah 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 it it's funny you know and it's like I, when it came, like when I became, when I started to want to quit, I started to want to quit when my mom, like actually like kind of hit me with the, the very real and very fair guilt trip of like her, she lost her dad to lung cancer. And yeah, so she's just like, one one day she's just like, can you stop? I lost my dad because of this, please. And I was just like, oh God, <laughs> like, you know, I was like, yeah. you just fucking hit me so hard. Right. Like, Damn. I was like, yep, that's fair. Like, okay. You know? So yeah. next day I was like, yeah, like, can we, let's get a vape and I'll, I'll just vape for a yeah. little while, you know, and then I'll use that to wean off of nicotine. And she took me to the smoke shop the next day. Cause at the time you didn't have to be 18 if your guardian um, was there purchased mm-hmm. you know so i my mom bought a vape for me and i was able to pick out the vape and pick out the juice that i wanted and everything and they had like really high ranges of nicotine yeah and i remember being like i'm gonna get one of the really low ones because i, I like i feel like i i knew that there was a slight nicotine addiction but I also knew that the majority of my addiction actually was the action yeah. and like just the For act sure. of smoking. Totally. And I, I'm still this way. I love just smoking in general. Like I blow smoke rings still to this day. Like when I smoke, I like doing smoke tricks. I like smoke. Like I just like yeah. it. Um, just no more nicotine. Yeah. Just no more tobacco. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I was like, I was like, yeah, you know, I don't need to get some crazy nicotine amount. Like, cause that's not, that's not why I'm smoking. Like, that's not my reason for smoking. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, because it's like some people, I feel like they start smoking and then they get addicted to the, like the feeling of nicotine or whatever it's doing. And then, then that's how they become a pack a day. Yeah. I was like, I just like smoking. Yeah. So I just, I, I like, as soon as I started buying packs, it wasn't like a gradual, like working up to becoming pack a day. Yeah. I bought a pack and was like, I smoked 20 cigarettes that day. Jeez. Like, you know, like I just. How were you not sick the whole day? Dude, because I had practice before I bought my own cigarettes. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I smoked cigarettes um, outside of this place called CCS, which I was at for drug classes. And, <laughs> and every other minor who was in the drug class smoked cigarettes. Yeah. Everybody smoked cigarettes on their break. Of course. Um, but yeah, you know, so it's like my mom, you know, drops that, you know, can you please stop? type of thing. And that was really where I was like, okay, holy shit. Like I gotta, I gotta be more, gotta be more realistic. I gotta like actually kind of check back in. Cause yeah. You know, when you, I feel like if you're just, you're not really considering 
all the things um, that you know your actions are doing or saying or affecting people in different ways and yeah. especially when you're a kid right like you're not, not as self-aware yet it takes some time um, it takes more experiences to become more self-aware I'd say like so yeah it, it was just like that hit me really hard and then I was like oh damn okay that was when I started wanting to quit and then I didn't actually like quit until like I think seven or eight months later like I'm pretty sure like after this conversation with my mom of like wanting to quit or no actually sorry that conversation came later I had decided I wanted to quit actually before that conversation yeah um but I was I was struggling to like really muster a lot of feelings around it um and I actually remember I had made like a New Year's resolution to stop smoking cigarettes um, and failed. You know, I just kept smoking. Yeah. And yeah, it wasn't until like August of that year that I quit. And it was like, because I was 16, I think, when I made the New Year's resolution. Because like, and my birthday's in February. So I was like, I was like, all right, you know, like I'm 16 and about to turn 17. Like, I need to stop smoking before I can buy cigarettes at every shop. Because at the time I could only buy them at the shop that was next to the community college. Yeah. And so there was like, there was a little bit of a gate, a gateway that I had to go through. I had to get, I didn't have a car at the time either. So I had to get a ride over there if I didn't have class that day or I had to take the bus or something inconvenient, you know? Um, So it was like this weird kind of thing for me, but yeah, there was definitely like periods where I was, very much like in a romance or in a honeymoon phase. And there was not like a, a detest for what I was experiencing. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably because I was like selling drugs so I could afford it. Yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't like digging into, you know, other parts of my life or making me feel like, Oh dang, like the fact that I am smoking cigarettes is like hurting me in other areas, even though it was right. Yeah. I just wasn't aware and or acknowledging it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is really interesting, right? It's like, it's not the addiction itself. It's not like, oh yeah, like I love being addicted, but you ask somebody who like smokes cigarettes and like a lot of people, like, yeah, I love cigarettes. Like, <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of funny. It's kind of interesting to think about. But, it is. But yeah, you're right, man. I don't think anybody wants to be in that scenario. And I don't, I don't, I've not met anybody who wanted to be there. Yeah. Wanted to be like in a terribly addicted state. Yeah. You also meet people who've been through the ringer with it, whether it be cigarettes or anything else. And it's, if you were to ask them like, you know, do you want someone you care about to do this? Like there's not many people out (laughs) there who are going to be like, yeah, I want my kids to smoke cigarettes. I want my wife to smoke cigarettes. I want, yeah. You know, everybody should be smoking cigarettes. These things are awesome. Yeah. Like maybe in the sixties it was like that, but it's not like that anymore. Yeah. Uh, cause we have the facts now yeah. where it's like, these are it's really bad. Awesome. And the <laughs> amount of chemicals awesome. they throw in this stuff is, it's awful. Yeah. So, you know, you think I try to think about things from that perspective too, where it's like, do, do you want other people to be doing what you're doing? No. Like, I don't want, yeah. To, heroin addicts don't want other people to be doing heroin unless it's somebody that they want 
some in cases, their life. Apparently they do. Yeah. You know, like it's like they're, they're thick in it and misery loves company. They have a, you know, a girlfriend and that girlfriend's not doing heroin. They're probably not together, you know? So it's, if they're both addicted to drugs and both doing this thing together, just like you said, misery loves company. But at the same time, when you're in that for long enough, you start to maybe not want that other person to do it. You know, it's like you want the best for them and you know it deep down. It's like, and everybody who gets out of addiction, at least the people that I've met and I know they want the people that were in their lives at the time who were also addicted. They hope the best for them and they want them to get out of it too. But they also have to stop associating with them because they're still doing drugs and like, it just doesn't work. You know, it doesn't work when one person gets sober and the other one doesn't. And I don't know. It, it's kind of true in a lot of forms too, just for other things like anybody living with all of the things that they have, a home amenities, coffee that they can drink every day. It's like, you all have all of your own little addictions too. And maybe it's not as extreme, but you know, a vast majority of people wake up every day and they're like, I need my coffee. Don't talk to me till I've had my coffee. Yeah. I'm also going to split this into two episodes because oh. we've been talking for two hours. Oh, Jesus. I don't know if you knew that, but I'm happy that we were because huh. we're going to be a little bit ahead. I think we could work on some really cool stuff. Yeah. Um, just on the other front of things this week, uh, which I'd really like to get into, spend some more energy on that. So Me too. Me too. that being said, uh, let's do a second intro and I will paste it partway through. All right. Yeah. Welcome back. Welcome back. I mean, 